You're listening to the teaching of Calvary Paris. For more information, go to www.calvaryparis.com. Uh, today we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 for our message. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? And I'm going to read this passage to all of us. Let's read the first five verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the, but in the power of God. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity to gather as a family in this place, Lord. And this is not the church because we are the church, but Lord, we thank you that we can gather as the body of Christ this morning. And we can open our hearts and minds to the word, Lord, that we might be refined, that we might be uh, pierced through by the truth of your word. Lord, that we might measure our lives according to your standards and not the standards of mankind. And Lord, that we might be in a place where we uh, hear about your will and are challenged to apply it to our lives, to do your will. And Lord, I just pray this morning that you would bless this congregation, that you would bless this church, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be in and among us and upon us, Lord, and Lord, that you would minister to your people, minister to the hurting this morning, minister to those that are in a difficult time in their lives. And Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would draw all men unto you, Lord, this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Our main theme in the message this morning, if you want to grab your study guide and follow along with us, is that Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation. That's Paul's main point, really, in all of uh, this first part of the book of Corinthians, 1st and 2nd Corinthians especially. Paul is trying to heal some of the divisive rifts that have uh, sprung up in the Corinthian church as believers are claiming that their human leaders are better than others and they're causing divisions in the church, disrupting the unity of the church there in Corinth. And Paul comes on the scene and he says, listen guys, you're operating in pride, you're operating in wisdom of men, and all of this stuff, it's fleshly, it's carnal, it's not good. You need to come back to the, 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 the main point here, and that is that Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. Jesus Christ is the power of God. And that's what our unity is based on and found in, is faith in the good news, the message of the cross. Now, Paul had one purpose in his life. Somehow, God had worked in his life in such a way that he had been whittled down to a single-minded heart, a purpose to make Christ crucified, known to the world around him. This will always be the overriding purpose of the church. It must always be the overriding purpose of the church. Before we are a Calvary Chapel, 
we belong to Jesus Christ. He is the foundation of the church. He is the head of the body. In him we breathe, we move, we find our being. So before we ever claim, you know, the dove or Calvary Chapel banner, whatever you want to call it, we claim Jesus Christ. He is our king. To be Calvary Chapel is secondary. To follow the distinctives of Calvary Chapel is secondary. The purpose of the church is Christ crucified. And as Christians, we need to adopt this purpose in our lives. We need to recognize and realize that Christ crucified should be on our minds, on our lips all the time, because this is the wisdom of God. Your identity as a man or a woman is found in the gospel, because it is Jesus Christ that transforms a life and makes you new and makes you into a new person in Christ. In these first five verses that we've read this morning, the Apostle Paul will be making two main points, and that is that the power of salvation does not lie in mankind, first of all, and second of all, he's simply saying that the power of salvation lies in the wisdom of God. So our first point this morning, taken from the first verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Read it with me again. Paul says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. Notice once again with me the humility of Paul the Apostle. Here is a man who was responsible for planting this church. He was a spiritual father of many, and yet he comes in a humble heart and he appeals to them as a brother. He says, And I, brethren... Reminding them, hey, I, I, I'm, I'm your brother in the Lord. I'm your brother in Christ. And that's a great example to learn from. When we come to people and we appeal to them to live out their Christianity, we need to come as a brother or a sister. We're not better than them, and we're not less than them either, but we are a brother in the family, a sister in the family, and we are coming to them appealing in humility. And Paul says, when I came to you, I didn't come with excellence of speech. So when Paul came there to the city of Corinth, he wasn't trying to be a Greek philosopher. He didn't open up a school and begin to teach sophisticated ideas to the people. He rather preached the gospel. And preaching the gospel does not require a great speaker. Can anybody say amen? (laughs) I I can say amen to that for sure. Amen. It doesn't require a a great speaker or a towering intellect or a cool presentation with some cool beats in the background or anything like that. It doesn't require all of those things. You know, we need to be very careful that the focus of our church is not in the excellence of the presentation. We shouldn't come to the church expecting to rave about the pastor or rave about the pastor's uh, uh, presentation or intellect or skill or lack of skill for that, but whatever it might be. We should come to the church with a focus not on excellence of speech or the wisdom of the world, but on the message itself, the message of the gospel. We need to be very careful because the focus of the church, according to the Apostle Paul, the purpose of the church is to know Christ and Him crucified. Let's remember that, church. Knowing Christ and Him crucified is our purpose. I have read that it was the practice of the Sioux Indians 
uh, that when they would uh, go into battle, that their warriors, in, in a show of bravery, they would take a wooden stake, and it was attached to their ankle with a, a rawhide strap, and they would take that stake, and they would stake it in the grounds there in the face of the enemy. And, and if they did that, it signified, look, this is my territory. I'm going to hold this ground or die. And that is really what we need to do with this purpose of the church that the Apostle Paul is talking about. We need to realize that this is the territory that God has given the church. The church is not tasked with being overly wise. The church is not tasked with uh, making everything make sense to the world. The church is not tasked with uh, being towering intellects in the world. But we are tasked with preaching the gospel. And this is where we need to put our stake down like that Sioux Indian warrior. And we need to say, look, this is my territory. This is our territory. God has given it to us. We will not lose this ground. We will fight to the death. We need to fight ferociously for this purpose. Listen, there are too many churches today that have lost sight of this fact. Churches where instead of the gospel, social programs have become what, is, uh, what, what the church is all about. But listen, social programs are great as long as they are the vehicle through which the gospel is being transmitted to society. If we lose that, then that social program is not, in God's eyes, it is not what the church has been tasked with carrying out in this world. But now, on the other hand, we, we understand that a lot of these social programs are meeting a felt need But on the other hand, we have to realize, guys, and this is what Paul is driving home, the greatest need of mankind is not food in the belly or even a shelter over their heads because their eternal soul is at stake and only the gospel message can address that need. Therefore, social programs, yes, they have their use, they have their place, I'm not knocking that, but they are the vehicle through which the church should be transmitting the gospel, the message of the good news to the people that are involved in that social program. As President Abraham Lincoln once said, listen, be sure to put your feet in the right place, then stand firm. We need to find that right place. And Paul is telling us, listen, the right place for you to plant your stake and to stand firm is in the message of the cross. It is the message of Jesus Christ that transforms lives. It is the message of Jesus Christ that makes a new creation and renews persons' minds so that they can be freed from the addictions and the sins that so easily beset them. It is Jesus Christ and his message alone. And that is where we are to stand firm. The right place is what Paul is saying in his second point in these verses, that the power of salvation then is not in man, but it is in the wisdom of God, the wisdom of God. Look at verse 2 with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It says, Therefore I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I love this verse. It's a powerful verse. It's filled with emotion and passion. Because this is where Paul's entire focus was. This is where his life's calling was at. This is his life's purpose. And you know what? This is challenging to us this morning. Because if we are followers of Jesus Christ, this also needs to be our purpose in life. Our purpose in life should be that of those who are determined 
not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Let's apply this to our lives this morning. What would our workplace look like if we came to work with that mindset? You know what? Today, wherever it is that I'm working, I'm going to determine to know Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And you know what? That might result in some weird conversations. (laughs) That might result in you saying something weird at a weird time and people going, what? But you know what? That's, it's just got to happen, guys. It's just got to happen. We just got to make that happen, breach it, and get through it. Because it's never going to be the right time in the world's eyes and in the world's wisdom to talk about Jesus. It's never going to be the right time for them. You think about that. I was, the other day I was in, in, in Kroger and I was checking out and it was, the, it was actually Thanksgiving morning. How many of you went to the grocery store on Thanksgiving morning? I was one of those guys. I was like, oh, we're going to Thanksgiving. So I was at the store and checking out and, and began to talk to uh, the, the, the cash, the, the, the gal that was checking me out. And she was sharing something. No, I'm sorry. Okay, this is the day after Thanksgiving. I apologize. The day after Thanksgiving. I did go to, I think I went to Dollar General on Thanksgiving Day. But anyways. As, as I was checking out, you know, she was sharing about something about how her Thanksgiving went. And I said, well, you know, God, lo-. she said, you know, my Thanksgiving went horrible. That's what she said. It was horrible. You know, my family, she had some family problems, you know, and she didn't feel appreciated. I guess they forgot to set her a place and save some turkey because she was working and stuff. And I said, well, you know what? God loves you, you know. And it was the most awkward thing, you know. It was just, she like looked at me and then just kept checking the stuff, you know, <laughs> and then, you know, got me out of there. But we have to breach that sometimes. We just have to go, you know what? I'm going to determine to know Christ and Him crucified in my workplace. What would change about your workplace if you determined to know Christ and Him crucified in that place? What would change about the people in your neighborhood if you determined to know Christ and Him crucified? And you said, you know what, we're going to do a life group, we're going to kick it off with a block party, and we're going to have everybody over, and then I'm going to tell them, hey guys, next week we're doing another meal, and I'm going to study the Bible with you guys if you want, anybody that wants to come. Now, everybody might just bail, but if one person goes, you know what, I knew that person was a Christian, I think I'm going to go check this out and find out some more about it. It's worth it, guys. It's worth it. But we have to have this determination that Paul has. This determination, look, I'm determined to know Christ and Him crucified. Do people know where you stand? Have you made your conversation in your heart about knowing Jesus Christ? You know, even amongst Christians, we can often have a tendency to get into unhealthy types of conversation because we fail to determine to know Christ and Him crucified. We, we, we think that, oh, well, we've already breached that, so we're both on the same page. We can just talk about whatever. And so we can easily kind of get into the gutter, or we can get talking about things that just really don't matter in life. But if we determine to know Christ and Him crucified, how would our conversations, even with believers, change? Hey, bro, what are you reading in the Word this week? What's Jesus been speaking to you? And, and instead of just being someone that drags others down, we can be those that edify and build people up. Aren't you thankful for people in your life that point you to the Lord? Man, I know I am. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for some godly men that God sent my way that pointed me to Jesus. You know, I think about uh, uh, you know, the, one of the guys in my life that used to point me to the Lord. He was that annoying guy that always wanted to talk about Jesus, you know? 
And so we would get together and he'd go, you know, he'd hear me listening to a secular song, you know, one of those, uh, I, I like, I'm, I'm a rock music fan, you know, so I was listening to some secular bands and, and he would go, he, you know, he'd go, who is that? And I'd be like, you know, silver chair. And he'd be like, oh, how's your walk with the Lord going? You know, and I'd be like, shut up, man. You know, just evidence that I wasn't doing good with the Lord, you know, but there he was that guy. He was that annoying guy that talked to me about Jesus and wanted to know how my walk was with the Lord. You know, he'd always ask me that question too. Would you read in your Bible today? You know, and when I hadn't read, I'd be like, oh, well, uh, read something in the Psalms. It was really good. I can't remember what it was, but, you know, or, or oh, read Proverbs uh, 10 today, you know, <laughs> checking the proverb of the day. But all of those sorts of things that he would prick me in that way, but it was all about Jesus. And I thank God for that guy today. We still get together. We're still great friends. And we talk about the Lord today because we both want to. Because the Lord did a work in my life, and he changed me over time. But it wasn't that way at first, but I sure am thankful for this guy. He determined to know Christ and him crucified in my life. That's what Paul did. You know, we read the story in Acts chapter 18 of how Paul planted this church in Corinth. Now, if you ever think about planting a church, you would think, man, that sounds really crazy hard. It sounds really difficult, and, 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 and it is. There is obviously, there is, uh, you know, a lot of warfare, and, you know, Satan is not for planting churches, so you're going you're gonna to hit resistance, and it's going to be difficult, but you know what? He started out, as was his pattern, of going first to the Jews and in the synagogue preaching the gospel. Then, when they kicked him out, he would go next door, and he'd begin to share it to the Gentiles, just simply sharing the message. He worked as a tent maker, and he held meetings in the houses of those who believed. And you know what resulted out of that? Very naturally, a church was planted. You know, sometimes today we, we think that church planting, oh man, we got to have a strategy, we got to have a program, we got to have all of the support laid out, and when everything is in place, then I can take that step of faith. But listen, that's not what we see Paul doing. That's not how we see a lot of the churches in the Bible getting started. They started because a man was faithful to share the gospel message. And just out of that faithfulness, a group of people said, you know what, that's the gospel truth, and I believe it. And they received it, and they began to gather, and they began to worship together. And out of that grew the, uh, the meetings of the church in the city. He spoke of Jesus. And he spoke of Jesus until that church was planted. We need to learn from the example of Paul this morning. You see, Paul was a man whose life had been changed by the good news. And when your life has been changed by the good news, you can't help but to share that testimony with others. My wife and I uh, were privileged to be able to share dinner this week with someone here in the church. And as we were sitting around the table, we began to talk of uh, this man's testimony. And it was such a blessing to me to hear that it's that testimony that has opened so many doors for him to share the gospel with people in his life. And that's really what it's all about. And it's about that opportunity to just faithfully share about what God has done in our lives and how he's changed us. I want to ask you this question this morning. and I'm going to assign you some homework if your answer is no. Have you ever prepared your testimony? Have you ever prepared your testimony? I mean, sat down and, or, or sat, sat down and written it out. Maybe you, you prepare a 10-minute version of your testimony. You test it out. You prepare a five-minute version of your testimony. You test that out on your spouse or a good friend or your, your kid and see what happens. 
But then I would challenge you to take that testimony. This is your homework, guys. I know we don't give homework at church normally, but at Calvary Chapel we do, okay? And, and uh, this is one of our distinctives. No, I'm just kidding. But we, we want you to take the Word of God and apply it in your life. And so this is your homework. I want, you to, I want to challenge you with this. If you have never written out your testimony, I want you to take some time and sit down and write out, okay, this was, this was me before Jesus. This is how I came to know Jesus. And this is how my life has changed since I came to know him. And that's simple. You've got a five to ten minute testimony that you can share with somebody anywhere. Anywhere, guys. And, and that's really what Paul did. He shared what God had done in his life. And I want to challenge you to do that same thing. and Share it with someone at work. Share it with someone in your neighborhood or in your family. Now, before you tell me that you just can't do that because you're too scared, uh, let's read the next couple of verses, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Look at what Paul says. Paul the apostle, he says this, okay? I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Now, if you've ever read the book of Acts, you know that by the time that Paul finally gets to Corinth, he had gone through some very tough things in his life. This was his second missionary journey. Uh, and on, this, on just this journey alone, he's already been deathly ill in Galatia. He's, he wanted to go to preach the gospel in Asia, but the Holy Spirit shut the door on him. He was basically on his deathbed when he had the dream of the man from Macedonia. And so he headed over to Macedonia and he got to Philippi. And there he was preaching the good news just like he had been told to do in his dream. And he was arrested where he was beaten and thrown into prison. And about midnight while he's in shackles, he and Silas are singing praises to God and they're praying. And and, and an angel comes or the Lord shakes that prison and he opens the doors. From Philippi, he had gone on to Thessalonica where for three weeks he shared the gospel and preached and taught things about the end times with the church there. And in that short amount of time, a huge riot happens, and he was forced to flee from that town. And he went down to Berea, where once again there was a big ruckus, and he had to leave because he was preaching and teaching about Jesus Christ as Savior. From there, Paul went to Athens, where he shared the message, the famous message, I might add, of Mars Hill on the Areopagus, challenging and talking to the Greek philosophers of that city. And, and people today are still divided over whether that message was actually so brilliant uh, that, that it was, you know, so culturally relevant, so brilliant, or whether it was a, such a failure that that's why when he got to Corinth, he says, I determined to know nothing among you except for Jesus and him crucified. People are divided over that. We don't know. And, and really, honestly, I don't think it's our place to really judge. I, I think that both of these message, both of those occasions were inspired by God. But we all we know for sure is that by the time Paul gets here to Corinth, guys, he's completely at the end of himself. He's at the end of himself. He's like, man, I, I got nothing. I've been beat. I've been jailed. I've been almost killed. And, and, and at this point, I am in weakness and fear and trembling. His speech and his preaching were not from a man who was relying on himself anymore. He was at the end of himself. He was tired and weak. And he was afraid. His speech and his preaching 
showed the crowds, listen, this man is not strong in himself. This man is not strong in himself. But you know what? He was simply doing what he'd been commissioned to do, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And you know what? God happened. God happened as he was faithful to the message. Even though he was in fear and weakness and trembling, God showed up. And in demonstration of power and the Holy Spirit, people's lives were changed. People were saved. So what is this telling us this morning? Well, it's telling us that, listen, we, 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 sometimes we get caught up in being smart and knowing all the answers. Sometimes we get caught up in being sophisticated and how people are going to view us as we share Jesus with them. But you know what? Human wisdom and excellence of speech just won't work. It doesn't get people in church. It doesn't truly change lives. I, I take that back. You can, you can get people in church. You can manipulate people. You can use human wisdom and, and, and tactics to entice people to get into the church, can't you? But what changes their lives? It's only the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is what changes lives. It is the power and the wisdom of God unto salvation. So this is telling you and me today that Hey, we cannot bring the wind and the power of the Spirit that changes lives, but we can stand and deliver the message, Christ crucified. We can deliver the message, Christ crucified, to the hurting world around us, to the people in our families that need it most, to people in our jobs that need it most. That is God's purpose for you, church. That is God's purpose for you, church. Are you walking in that? Are you walking in that? Let's read the last verse that's part of our study for today. Verse 5 there. Paul says that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So the whole reason then that Paul is sharing this simple message of the cross in weakness and in fear and in trembling was so that those that believed would not get ripped off and put their trust in human wisdom instead of Jesus. You know, it, it, it's so easy to get our focus off of the message and onto the presentation. It's so easy to get caught up in, well, the methodology instead of the message, the actual root message. Jesus experienced this all the time in his life. There were many, many people that followed Jesus because of what they were going to get from him in the physical realm. There were many people that followed Jesus that never heard his message, and it never uh, broke their hearts and caused them to trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. We need to be those that are, are realizing, look, it's not about me. <laughs> it's not about the presentation. It's not about my wisdom and intellect and, and ability. It's about the message itself. And when it's shared even in fear and weakness and trembling, God shows up. God shows up and does the work. There was once a church that had a giant uh, a stained glass window right behind the pulpit where the preacher would stand. And on that stained glass window, there was a picture, a scene of Jesus, as often there are in those stained glass windows. And the pastor of the church happened to be a particularly large man. He was a very wide man and uh, stood right there in that pulpit to deliver those messages. Well, one day there was a guest speaker at the church. 
a man who was much more slight of frame, much more uh, smaller as a man. And uh, one of the girls that was attending the church, a little girl, she stood up and she shouted, Mommy, I can see Jesus. And, and everybody was looking at her, what do you mean? And she said to her mom, look, usually I can't ever see Jesus, but now he's not there. And the, the man that blocks Jesus, he's not there. And I can see Jesus now. You know, some pastors can be too big. Their personalities can actually be a hindrance. Celebrity pastors can be so big that their people can't see Jesus. You know, there's a lot of that going on in America today. A lot of churches that hold up and promote a celebrity pastor type of a lifestyle. That's wrong. It's wrong. It's, and it's a reason that causes divisions and problems in the church Listen, uh, the, the, the church is not to be, or the pastor is not to be too big so that his congregation can never see Jesus. One thing that has been crystal clear in what Paul is communicating to the church in Corinth is that even though or, it, this church that was divided, this church that was boasting about different leaders and arguing over who was legit and who wasn't, Paul makes it crystal clear the one thing that is important is Jesus Christ and him crucified. That is the wisdom and the power of God. That's the one thing that unites Jesus Christ's church and makes us one body. Whether you're Calvary Chapel or First Baptist or Calvary Methodist or whoever you are, we are united by faith in the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, outside of faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, We do not find unity. Those that claim Jesus Christ as Lord, yet disobey his teachings in practice and and, and in lifestyle. Hey, that's an obvious indicator to us that this person is not in the faith that is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But rather, they're claiming to know Jesus and do their own thing. Those are two totally different things, guys. The unity of the church is based upon this message that Paul the Apostle is getting across to us, that it is Christ Jesus who is the power and the wisdom of God, because it is only Jesus Christ that saves and only Jesus Christ that transforms, his power working in us. So it's not about how big our church is. It's not about how well uh, you know, we're bringing people in. It's about how well do we know Christ and how well are we making him known by our lives in this community. That's the question, church. Are you living out your faith on a daily basis from Monday to Saturday? Not just on Sundays when you come to church, but Monday through Saturday. It should be about It should not be about how many people are you running on Sundays. You know, interestingly enough, as a pastor, that's one of the questions I get asked most frequently. And I always lie. I always say, 1,500. (laughs) Just kidding. I don't lie. But it's amazing how many pastors want to talk about it. You know, it's like you go to a pastor's conference, like, and not so much at the Calvary Chapel stuff, but I, oftentimes I get approached by other pastors and it's, you know, we're talking about you guys like your cattle. How many are you running? You know, <laughs> well, we branded about 50 this week. You know, it's kind of like, you know, that's not what the church is supposed to be about. We, we need to be talking about, look, how many people are actually growing spiritually? 
How many people are really continuing in the faith and walking in obedience and growing? How many people are being saved? These are the things that measure a successful church, not how many people are you running on Sundays. It shouldn't be about whether the pastor's message was charismatic or wasn't charismatic. It shouldn't be about whether or not it was entertaining or if he made us laugh a lot. It should be about was the message of the cross given? Was much made of Jesus Christ in that service? Was God exalted and lifted up? Did sinners repent and turn to the Lord? How quickly we can forget this. How difficult it is for us to remain in a state of humility where we understand that the excellence of wisdom is Christ Jesus. The power of God is Christ Jesus. It's easy for us to get astray and we start to trust in human wisdom again. What do we need to do to get back? As we close this message this morning, what do we need to do to get back to the purpose for which God has made his church? I suggest three things to you this morning. First of all, I suggest we need to recognize the, gen- the greatness of our responsibility to share Christ and Him crucified. Do you recognize how great that responsibility is? You know, when I think of my calling as a pastor and that my calling came from the God of the universe, He called me to do what I'm doing this morning. That, that's a huge responsibility. That's a huge privilege. But think about the God of the universe who's made you a part of His church He called you and commissioned you in Christ Jesus to share in the preaching of the gospel. Yeah, I I, I earn a salary to do what I'm doing, and I I praise God for that. I'm very, very thankful. My family lives by the salary that I earn. But I'm not the only one God's calling to preach the gospel. Do you get that? It's not me and the pastors on staff that God has called to reach Paris. It's you, the people of this church, the Christians that live and work and move in circles that I'll never touch, I'll never reach. And so it is you that God has given the responsibility to, and it is a great responsibility to share about Christ and Him crucified. The good news is that you don't have to be excellence of speech. You don't have to have towering intellect. You can be in weakness and fear and trembling, and God will use the message. Secondly, this morning, I suggest that we need to pray for humility, to depend on God to work through our message We need to pray for humility. We need to stop thinking, man, it's all about me. We need to stop thinking, if I don't do this right, they're not going to get saved. We need to stop thinking about, well, if I do this, the guys are just going to make fun of me. You know, I'm not going to be a part of the the, the in-group anymore. We need to get over ourselves. We need to pray for humility and say, Lord Jesus, hey, there are souls at stake. And if I depend on you, you tell me, you'll reach these souls. Thirdly, We need to pray for faithfulness to share Christ with the people that God brings to us. Again, this is something that I think is so key. Uh, You know, it's, it's not about necessarily us going, if we have a heart to share this, if we have a heart to be faithful in this, God will bring the people to us. It's amazing how that works. When we, in the morning, just take some time and say, God, I just pray that you'd bring me one person today that needs to hear Jesus loves them and God loves them that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, that they can be free, that they can have life, that they can have eternal life. Lord, send me somebody. And as we pray for faithfulness to share that with people that God brings to us, he'll bring them. You'd be surprised. God, God does amazing things. 
That's when things get fun. That's when Christianity becomes what it's supposed to be. It's a fun, exciting thing because God's always going, okay, there's a channel. I'm going to use that channel to reach people in this world. This person is willing to be used. They're faithful in this. They're asking for faithfulness. Don't be surprised if people start showing up on your door and saying, hey, I heard you go to church or I heard you're a Christian. Can you pray for me? And, 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 or what is it that's, that's getting you through this tough time that you're going through as I see you struggling in your life? What's keeping you strong? And you know what? When people have problems, they usually end up looking for those that have peace in their souls. I found that to be true while I was in the United States Marine Corps. Uh, as, you know, uh, guys would make fun of me during the week for certain things. You know, they, they had a, we, we had a, a march. Uh, you know, we would, we would go on long hikes and one of the things that we would do on these long hikes is we'd motivate each other by yelling out uh, chants. And we would chant as we were marching along. And uh, one, of the, one of the guys used to make fun of me. He used to say, uh, if you want mercy, you know, they'd say, go see Sergeant McKay, you know. And, or, or they'd say, if you want mercy, take your butt to church. And they didn't say butt. They said other word. But they, that, that's, that was, it was always this thing. But you know what? Those same guys... When they were hurting, when they started going through marriage problems and things like that, guess who they came and found? <laughs> Sergeant McKay. <laughs> they came and found me in my bunk, and they would say, hey, man, this is what's going on in my life. I'm hurting, and could you just pray for me? And they didn't even know what they were looking for, but I knew what they needed. They needed Jesus, and that's what the world needs. There's a lot of hurting people in this world. Uh, our, our, our culture is going through so many culture wars right now. It's unbelievable. This upheaval that's taking place and the sexual revolution and uh, just, just different things going on all over the place, guys. And there's a lot of broken, hurting people. And if we could get our eyes off of ourselves and we could say, you know what, I'm going to determine to know Christ and Him crucified, God's going to use us. Let's pray.